We welcome you to this edition of Kale and Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Hope everyone had a very pleasant weekend. We're glad to have you with us on this Monday morning. We are presented by Northeast Elder Dental. Northeast Elder Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me. Dot com. Well, since uh, 22 years ago when the uh, bombings of the Twin Towers in uh, Manhattan, Lower Manhattan and New York City were bombed, uh, this day has always been a somber one as we commemorate the 22nd anniversary of the 9-11 terror attacks uh, today. Nearly 3,000 people died when those hijacked planes crashed into the World Trade Center's tallest towers in New York City, also the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and into a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. There are some uh, events in New Hampshire today uh, commemorating uh, 9-11. In fact, the uh, Transportation Security Administration, the TSA, will hold a memorial ceremony Uh, Today at Manchester Boston Regional Airport, a moment of silence will be observed there at uh, 846, followed by the reading of all 2,977 9-11 victims' names. And that event at Manchester Boston Regional Airport is expected to last three to four hours. And uh, we will take a a moment of silence as well at uh, 846 on the program here today. A ceremony will be held at the uh, site of the 9-11 Steel Artifact Memorial at uh, 846 this morning uh, in Portsmouth to uh, mark the moment that the first hijacked plane hit the uh, World Trade Center's North Tower. Businesses, residents, and uh, visitors are invited to attend the service, which is expected to be brief. Anyone in attendance is encouraged to bring a flower or bouquet to lay at the foot of the artifact uh, in Portsmouth. Ceremony in Hudson at 6.30 tonight at Benson Park in Hudson. A presentation of colors at Wreath Lane and some remarks are scheduled. Uh, Cathedral of the Pines uh, in Ridge, uh, Ridge, New Hampshire. Uh, the names of all the 9-11 victims will be read aloud during a ceremony at the Cathedral of the Pines in Ringe. That ceremony will begin at 8.45 this morning. Public is invited to attend, and that ceremony is expected to last about three hours. And uh, the annual ceremony at 6 o'clock tonight at uh, American Legion Post 35 on uh, 69 High Street in uh, Hampton, New Hampshire. The monument has engraved names of all service members from New Hampshire who lost their lives uh, during the war on terrorism. So there you have it, 6 o'clock tonight at American Legion Post 3569 High Street in Hampton. Those are the observances that uh, we are aware of. If there are any more that you know of, uh, you can certainly uh, give us a call here at 603-224-1450. And so many Victims with uh, ties to New Hampshire uh, were lost on this day 22 years ago. And I'm sure 
uh, most people can tell you where they were uh, when the uh, first uh, hijacked plane hit one of the uh, the towers in uh, lower Manhattan. And then uh, moments later, uh, and the other tower uh, was struck by a hijacked aircraft. And it was a day that uh, changed all of our lives forever. There is no doubt about that. Uh, that day uh, changed all of our lives in, in many, many ways. And uh, so many people were impacted uh, by those uh, brutal uh, terrorist attacks uh, on this date in uh, 2021. Uh, some of the names of the people in, in New Hampshire who were, were victims of uh, the 9-11 bombings, uh, Paul Ambrose, who was uh, 32 at the time, uh, Garnett Ace Bailey, who was a uh, longtime Boston Bruin, and at the time of the bombings, a scout for the Los Angeles Kings. He was headed to Los Angeles uh, to do some work with the Kings out there. He boarded Flight 175 with uh, amateur scout Mark Bavis. And uh, after uh, visiting uh, Manchester to see the Monarchs, who were embarking on their first season, Remember, this was uh, you know September 11th. It was like a month uh, before hockey season, and uh, Ace Bailey and Mark Bavis were in Manchester to see uh, the Monarchs, and uh, then flew back to Los Angeles, but obviously uh, never made it. And uh, they're they're remembered by uh, all of us. Ace Bailey was. Uh, uh, a, a terrific guy. Uh, he was the only uh, the the one that I, uh, I I ever met that was involved in this uh, in the nine eleven attack, and uh, he was uh, just a, a terrific uh, hockey player as well as a terrific gentleman. And uh, we miss both uh, Ace Bailey and uh, Mark Bavis. Kathy Bantis graduated from uh, Central High School in Manchester in nineteen seventy five. We mentioned Mark Bavis, who was only. 31 at the time, who played uh, hockey at uh, Boston University and in the American Hockey League for the Providence Bruins. And uh, he died along with uh, Ace Bailey, as we mentioned. Uh, Graham Berkeley, 37 years old, was the director of an e-business solution company uh, in Nashua. Susan Blair, 35, uh, graduated from uh, Colby Sawyer and uh, spent every summer of her childhood at Lake Winnipesaukee. Also uh, worked at Artisans in New London uh, while in college. Judd Cavalier, 26 years old, uh, a communications major at the University of New Hampshire, graduated in 1998 from uh, UNH. Juan Cisneros, who was only uh, 24 uh, years old, and uh, he uh, immigrated with his family from uh, Guatemala when he was six, graduated from Dartmouth in 1999. Christopher Colasante. Colasante was only uh, 33, and uh, he graduated from Dartmouth in uh, 1990. Uh, Kevin Connors, uh, 55 uh, years old. He uh, earned an MBA from the uh, Tuck School of Business at uh, Dartmouth College. Kevin Crotty. 43 years of old, years old, uh, graduated cum laude with a degree in economics from uh, Dartmouth. Left behind a wife 
and three children. Thelma Cuccinello, a 71, of Wilmot. She took uh, Flight 11 to California to visit her sister, and uh, she was survived by her husband, three grown daughters, and 10 grandchildren. Uh, Brian Dale was 43, uh, and uh, he uh, graduated magna cum laude from uh, Dartmouth in 1980, played on the uh, school's football team as a tight end, Brian Dale. Jennifer Fialco, 30 years old at the time, spent most of her summers at Lake Winnipesaukee and graduated from UNH in 1994. Joseph Flounders, 46 years old uh, at the time, was also a Dartmouth graduate. Uh, Carol Flyzik, 40 years old of Plastow, was on a business trip on that date. And uh, she loved spending time at her Victorian home with her partner of 12 years. Peter Fry, 36 years old, and he graduated from Brewster Academy in Wolfboro in 1983. Carl Max Hammond from Derry. He had a doctorate in physics and a job in research. Robert Hobson, 36 a broker for uh, Cantor Fitzgerald at the World Trade Center, and uh, he graduated from uh, Franklin Pierce College. Charlie Jones, 48 years old. He worked for BAE Systems uh, in New Hampshire. Richard Keene was uh, 54. He was born and raised in the Boston area and graduated from St. Anselm College in 1969. Uh, Ralph Kershaw, 52. Uh, he uh, was born in uh, Wolfboro, New Hampshire. Uh, Brian Kinney was only 29, a graduate of Bishop Girton High School uh, in Nashua. David uh, Kobelson, 42 years old, lived in Hudson and uh, worked at uh, Raytheon. Robert LeBlanc, 70, of Lee, world traveler and a professor of geography at UNH. And there are many more, and we will tell you about them. But uh, we are going to take a break as uh, we commemorate 9-11, the 22nd anniversary of the terrorist bombings of the World Trade Center Towers in Manhattan. We will take a break. Kale and Company will continue right here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. It is Kale and Company Live here on this Monday, September 11th, commemorating the uh, 22nd anniversary of the terrorist bombings at the Twin Towers in New York's Lower Manhattan. We're mentioning uh, some of the names of the uh, folks who uh, were killed uh, in those uh, terrorist attacks, including uh, uh, we're talking about people from uh, New Hampshire or with uh, New Hampshire roots, and there were many of them. Uh, Jeffrey uh, Levine, 55 years old, graduated from uh, Dartmouth College in 1968, served as an Army specialist from 1968 to 1970. Uh, Teddy Maloney graduated he, uh, from Proctor Academy in, Anov- in uh, Andover in 1988 and New England College in Henniker. In 1992, Teddy was only uh, 32 years old. 59-year-old uh, Louis 
Mariani was <clears throat> one of the victims of, as well. He uh, lived in Derry, uh, New Hampshire. He was on a plane uh, separate from his wife as they headed to his stepdaughter's wedding in California. Uh, the wedding did go on uh, in his honor. Tom McGinnis, 42, of Portsmouth. He was the co-pilot of American Airlines Flight 11, which crashed into the, into the uh, North Tower of the World Trade Center. McGinnis, a, a former fighter pilot, has celebrated his birthday just uh, earlier, a couple of days earlier, with his wife Cheryl and their teenage children. John Oganowski, 50 years old of Drakeit, he was the captain of American Airlines Flight 11. Co-pilot was uh, Tom McGinnis. The Air Force veteran had four loves, his country, flying, farming, and his family. And before Oganowski left for work that morning, he looked in on his sleeping daughters and kissed his wife. A flight attendant said, one last time. Uh, Michael Packer, uh, 45 years old, a graduate of uh, Phillips Exeter Academy, left behind, uh, left behind a wife and two children. Tommy Palazzo, 44, he left behind a wife and three daughters, graduated from Brewster Academy in Wolfboro in 1975. And the school uh, later dedicated Palazzo Field uh, in his honor at uh, Brewster Academy. Stephen Roach, 36 years old, graduated from St. Anselm College in 1986, and he left behind a wife and three children. Scott Saber was 37 years old. Uh, he graduated from Phillips Exeter Academy in 1982. Kathleen and Michael Shearer, married for 39 years, had built their dream home in Dover, New Hampshire. Uh, they moved during the spring of 2001. Uh, Michael, the uh, self-proclaimed lawn king, had uh, just seeded his new lawn on September 10th. And the next day, uh, he and his wife boarded Flight 175 to visit uh, one of, uh, of their two daughters. And uh, she had just given birth to their first grandchild. Douglas Stone, uh, 54, of Dover. He was aboard Flight 11 and... Uh, he helped his son settle in. He was trying to help his son help settle in for his freshman year at UCLA. Timothy Stout, 42 years of all years of age, father of three graduates in 1983. Uh, of, uh, I say I should say he was the father of three and graduated in 1983 from the University of New Hampshire, where he was a member of the crew team. Timothy Stout. David Suarez was 24 at the time, and he was born in Dover, New Hampshire. Madeline Sweeney, a flight attendant aboard American Airlines Flight 11, a 1984 graduate of Nashua High School. Thomas Thurkoff, Jr., 44 years old, left behind a wife and three children, frequent guest on a CNBC uh, during his career, worked on the 89th floor of the South Tower of the World Trade Center. He was an analyst for Keefe, Brunette, and Woods, and he received his MBA from the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth. Eric Thorpe, 35 years old. He graduated from Phillips Exeter Academy in 1985. 
Richard Woodwell, 44 years old, father of three, graduated from Dartmouth in 1979. And uh, those are the, uh, the folks who uh, died on September 11th, 2001, in the uh, terror attacks on the uh, World Trade Towers uh, in New York City. And it is a day that uh, we will never forget. And uh, just a very, very sad day. Uh, tragic day in our nation's history. And it is uh, commemorated uh, every year in so many uh, locations as it, as it should be. It's a day of, uh, of remembrance. Uh, elsewhere in the news, people in Morocco uh, slept in the streets of Marrakesh for a third straight night as soldiers and international aid teams and trucks and helicopters began to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, began to uh, stream into remote locations hit hardest by a historic earthquake. The disaster killed more than 2,100 people uh, in Morocco, a number that is expected to rise. And the United Nations estimated that 300,000 people were affected by Friday night's magnitude 6.8 quake. Amid offers from several countries, including the United States and France, Moroccan, uh, Moroccan officials said yesterday that they're accepting international aid from just four countries, Spain, Qatar, Britain, and the United Arab Emirates. The Interior Ministry said in a statement, the Moroccan authorities have carefully assessed the needs on the ground, bearing in mind that a lack of coordination in such cases would be counterproductive. When some foreign search and rescue teams arrived on Sunday after an aftershock rattled Moroccans already in the morning and shock, uh, other aid teams uh, poised to deploy grew frustrated waiting for the government to officially request assistance. So a catastrophe uh, in Morocco, and uh, as we mentioned, there were 21 people uh, estimated that have lost their lives, and there is uh, going to be more uh, as, as they go through the destruction and the rubble that uh, has taken place there in Morocco, a region where uh, many of the structures uh, build uh, bricks out of mud. Friday's earthquake toppled buildings not strong enough to withstand such a mighty trembler, or tembler, I should say, uh, trapping people in the rubble and sending others fleeing in terror. And uh, 2,122 uh, people were confirmed dead, and at least 2,421 others were injured. So uh, just a, a disaster of uh, catastrophic magnitude uh, in Morocco. So our thoughts and prayers are, are certainly with them as well on this uh, 9-11 uh, commemoration. And again, we will uh, pause at 8.46 this morning, and uh, we will uh, take a moment of silence here to uh, re remember those uh, who lost their lives and their, their families and, and friends who were impacted uh, greatly on that day uh, 22 years ago.
As uh, most of you know, uh, Patriots opened their season yesterday in Foxborough against the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending NFC champions. Patriots lost uh, 25-20. They got behind very early as uh, Philadelphia scored the first 16 points of the game. Patriots turned the football over twice uh, in the early going. Eagles took advantage. Patriots got it to uh, 16-14 to at the half. Just could not quite get over the hump. Pretty good day for uh, Mac Jones. Jones was uh, 35 of 54 through the air for 316 yards and three touchdowns, two of them to Kendrick Bourne, uh, who only caught one all of uh, last season. Patriots will be hosting Miami uh, next Sunday night. Of course, the, the big deal yesterday, Tom Brady at halftime, honored in Foxborough, for six Super Bowl championships with the Patriots. Patriots owner Bob Kraft uh, has waived, this was the big news out of yesterday, waived the four-year waiting period for Brady, and Tom Brady will be inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame on June 12th, 2024. That's 6-12. Get it? Six Super Bowl championships, and the number 12, 6-12-24, is when Tom Brady will be inducted into the New England Patriots Hall of Fame. We will take a break here, and we will be back and have a chat with the head coach of football at the University of New Hampshire, Rick Santos, right after these words. Kale & Company Live here on WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. Presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we will be right back. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on this Monday morning. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and uh, we are going to check in with the head coach of football at the University of New Hampshire, Rick Santos. Good morning to you, Rick. How are we doing? Well, we're doing okay. Uh, I know you're, you're coming off a, uh, a nail-biter on uh, Saturday at Central Michigan. The Wildcats uh, losing 45-42 on a last-second 47-yard field goal. Uh, time expired, and the Wildcats lost by three. But what a battle it was. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, it certainly was, Ken. I, I think it was one of those games where you felt like you know, we didn't lose. We just ran out of time. But right. at the end of the day, you know, there's no consolation prizes in our beautiful game and certainly end up getting to hell in, in the loss column. But uh, we battled. We were down 14 multiple times, found a way to come back, ultimately tie the game up with three minutes to go. Uh, you know, I think offensively we, we were connecting on all cylinders. It was a record day for, for Dylan Lobby out there. Um, he did a really nice job of Manipulating coverage, no, no one to, to kind of take the vertical routes, when to sit it down. Max Brosmer did a phenomenal job of kind of reading the defense all day. Great protection from the guys up front. Uh, I thought Coach Brian Scott did a phenomenal job getting our guys prepared all week as the offensive coordinator and the whole offensive staff. So, you know, and defensively, we had our hands full. I think, you know, their quarterback, running back duo was as dynamic as we're probably going to see all year. Um, you know, their quarterback was the fastest guy on the field. Uh, and he certainly, you know, eluded some some tacklers uh, throughout the game. But but I think our guys hunkered down. They made some key stops. You know, we created two turnovers on defense. 
we had three sacks. So very, just very happy with the effort and how hard those guys fought all the way to the end. Well, absolutely so. What a game it was. I mean, as a, as a coach, I know you don't really get to enjoy it. You're so into the game, but really, uh, one of the most entertaining games uh, you'll you'll ever see. Uh, I think it was like one of those uh, ESPN instant classics that they have. Yeah, it certainly was, and and we just we couldn't quite you know, tie that thing up the whole game. We were fighting, we were clawing, you know, yeah. one thing would go wrong and then we stayed into it. Um, and then, you know, you you get all the momentum back. We hit that long pass and end up tying it at 42 with a few minutes to go. And, you know, right then and there, we, we truly believed, all right, that was, that was the moment we needed. That was the big play. You know, defense was battling. We thought we had a stop to get him to fourth and five. And, the quarterback spun off the tackle and kind of landed on our defender's legs when we thought his butt hit the ground. Uh, if he does hit the ground there, we, you know, we made the play. If he's down, they have to punt, and we have a two-minute situation to go win it. Somehow he lands on our guy's leg. He rolls out of it, dives forward for three more yards, and then they got it in a fourth-and-one situation. So um, one of those things where the, you know, the football gods just – they weren't ultimately shining down on us, but we, we can't hang our heads. It certainly was a spirited effort. Now, you uh, you executed a uh, a fake punt uh, uh, late in that in that fourth quarter. Uh, it, it was not uh, successful over the pass over the middle, but uh, what, what were your thoughts on that one going into, into that decision? Yeah, again, we, we were struggling to get the momentum back. Uh, we couldn't, you know, we... Hadn't had the game tied the entire time. We'd cut it to seven a bunch. They, you know, they got it to 14, cut it to seven. And at that point, we felt like we needed a spark. You know, there was a couple of drives where we were stagnant. So we thought they were going to bring an all-out pressure. They did. We got the perfect call. Uh, had Joey Eichmann wide open down the middle and just ultimately didn't didn't make the play. Um, so, you know, I, I stand by that call. We're, we're always going to we're going to trust our players to make plays in the biggest moments. I think that's why they, they like playing for us because uh, we're going to cut it loose. We're never going to play scared. We're always going to work to be the aggressor. Sometimes it works out and you're the hero, and sometimes you don't make the play and uh, you got to answer for it. But uh, definitely stand by that call. Yeah, and uh, just what is, what is this? I mean, I, I'm sure you knew going in what kind of a team you had, but what does this tell you uh, about your squad, their, their resiliency, their, their, their never-give-up uh, persona, uh, what does it tell you about the, these Wildcats? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we got a lot of mental toughness and fortitude and, uh, you know, just a lot of conviction in our game and our abilities. And, and we're going to need that, you know, going forward here down the stretch. You know, we're obviously we have a very tough one this week. And then obviously when, when you enter into CAA play, there's just simply no easy win. So we're going to have, I'm glad that we're battle tested. Um, you know, if we, we take to the coaching this week and we continue to prepare and go back to work, you know, we can look back at the end of the year like that was a, a great moment for us, even though it was a loss, you know, that we built a ton of momentum off of it. Yeah, no no doubt about that. And uh, so, I mean, it, you know, it was a terrific game uh, from both sides. Uh, what, what was the, the, the mood like returning to uh, New Hampshire? Uh, you know, there's certainly some frustration. We felt like we, we let one slip away, and, you know, in a lot of areas we played good enough to win. But I think it was one of those things where we – you know, we haven't played that tough against an FBS opponent in really the last five, six, seven years. So that was probably, you know, the most contested game that we've had against an elite opponent. You know, they're bigger, faster, all those things. Um, 
and we just we kept going, we kept fighting, we kept punching. So to be honest, it was probably the most confident spirit that I saw the team. Once we got off the plane, they had already kind of flushed it. Um, they're already kind of moving on, thinking about Dartmouth and, and just getting ready to attack this week. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Dylan Lobby earlier, and uh, just an incredible athlete and, a, and an amazing performance. 371 all-purpose yards on Saturday for him. I, I mean, for people who are not familiar with him, uh, he, he is really a must-watch, isn't he, on that, on that football field? He's a lot of fun. You know, he's a home run threat every time he touches the ball. He can score from from anywhere on the field and all in you know multiple different phases and facets of the game. So the great thing about him is he loves football. He loves to practice hard. He's a great teammate. You know, he never makes it about himself. Um, and just when his number's called in the biggest moment, you know, he's done his entire career here. He's going to step up, and he, he he has competitive greatness. So yeah, awesome, awesome dude. You know, just a, a great, humble young man, and then obviously just an elite ball player as well. So, what are some of the aspects of the game you have to uh, clean up at practice this week? Yeah, well, you know, as well as we did offensively, we had two turnovers. Uh, we did have one interception, um, and then we ran a, a speed option where you know Max and Dylan weren't on the same page. We end up dropping it on a key third and short in the high red, which you know. When you go back and you look at the tape, we actually we had the first down there. We could have kept the drive alive. So got to clean the turnovers up. Uh, way too many penalties, you know, in particular on special teams. You know, we had a, a punt return that Dylan got to about the 40. We had a holding call uh, that brought us at, from the point of contact back to the six. So that ended up being like a 34-yard penalty. So that hurt us a lot. So definitely need to clean those things up. Um, and then, you know, Defensively, just making sure we kind of communicate, you know, the communication aspect on the back end. We, we blew a couple coverages where they had some next plays. But I mean, you know, when you're out there for 75 plays, there's always going to be five or six that you look back, no matter what. I don't think anyone's ever played a perfect game. But again, that's our job is to make sure that we're harping it. We want to drive for perfection so we can catch excellence. And the uh, Big Green of Dartmouth will invade uh, UNH on uh, Saturday evening for your, your home opener. What do you know about your opponent? Well, first, I just I want to wish, you know, Buddy Stevens and his entire family the best. I hope Coach Stevens is, is doing okay. Uh, wish he, he could be there with his team. Um, yeah. I know they're, they're physical. They're spirited. They've always been extremely well coached. You know, Coach Sammy McCorkle has been there. Uh, for a decade plus, he knows he knows their guys, he knows their scheme, so they're going to be ready to go. You know, defensively, they're a bend but don't break operation. They're going to play a lot of zone coverage. They're going to force you to check the ball down in the passing game. They're very stout up front. They do a great job stopping the run. They always have. You know, Don Doves, their defensive coordinator, is one of the best at this level. All the respect there. And then on the other side of the ball, they're very multiple. You know, they they got a bunch of big tight ends. Big, but the line, they, they really do a great job running the ball. Um, you know, they're, they're very multiple in their unbalanced sets. Um, and then Nick Howard is, is a load at quarterback. You know, we have to have a plan for the quarterback design run, and they're certainly going to be not afraid to, to put his body on the line and go out there. So um, really well-coached team. They play hard, um, and obviously no love lost between the two institutions. Absolutely. Well, Rick, as always, we uh, enjoy chatting with you here on these Monday mornings. We're going to miss uh, next week, but uh, we'll, we'll talk in a couple of weeks. And uh, best of luck on uh, Saturday night against the Big Green. Thank you so much, Ken. Truly appreciate you having me again. Well, it is our pleasure. Thanks, Rick. Take, Take care. care. 
Bye. That's Rick Santos, head coach of football at the University of New Hampshire. As uh, we approach 8.46 a.m. on this Monday, and uh, we are going to pause and uh, just pause for a few seconds of reflection and remembrance for what happened on this date uh, 22 years ago when we were brutally attacked as a nation that will never, never be the same. It's the day that changed all of our lives and will forevermore. So uh, right now we'll take a, uh, a, a brief break and uh, just send your thoughts and prayers uh, to those uh, victims and their families on this date 22 years ago today. And we will be back right after these words. Kale and Company on this Monday, WKXLNHTalkRadio.com, presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Welcome back. Kale and Company live here on WKXLNHTalkRadio.com on this Monday, September 11th, 2023. It's Patriot Day in remembrance of uh, 9-11. Also, Remember Freedom Day, National Day of uh, Service and Remembrance Day, and National Emergency Responders Day. And uh, we we thank all of them uh, for what they do for this country. And we it comes to mind, especially on uh, days like today, when... So many uh, emergency and first responders uh, were killed at the scene of uh, 9-11 in the lower Manhattan when the Twin Towers uh, were attacked uh, by those hijacked planes that uh, left from from Boston. And uh, also the uh, attacks on the Pentagon and in Shanksville, Pennsylvania as well on this uh, this day that... uh, that we uh, think about all the time, not just on 9-11, but uh, it's all the time, the way it uh, has impacted so many lives and impacted the, the, the way we do things uh, in this country and also uh, around the world. On a happier note, Cat, uh, I know you had a very successful production on uh, Saturday night in Pittsfield at the beautiful Scenic Theater with your curtain up production. Tell us a little bit about that. We did. We did. Thank you. Yes, um, we were almost sold out, which was incredible for a fundraising event. (laughs) And for uh, less than a month, we had a two-hour program, two-act program for um, our audience. And I just got numbers, and we raised $8,269 in one night. Wow! In Pittsfield, New Hampshire. That is amazing. So, congratulations to the cast and crew. I really, I mean, it takes a team. I could not have done this (laughs) without their help and support. And these performers worked so hard. I really threw difficult music at them, and they learned it all in a month. And I just couldn't be more proud. That is fabulous. Congratulations to you, Kat, and the entire cast and crew of uh, Curtain Up, an evening of music, and it was Saturday at the beautiful Scenic Theater on Depot Street in Pittsfield. If you ever get an opportunity to see a show there, uh, take advantage of it if you possibly can. 
Uh, they've done a lot of great work there. They have a new HVAC system, so it'll be more comfortable than ever uh, in the theater uh, in Pittsfield. But, Cat, uh, again, congratulations. And, uh, and what's next? Do you have anything on, on your docket? I know I know you work many, many, many hours here at WKXL, but, <laughs> but, but also you do a lot of outside uh, work in the entertainment world. I do. And anything coming up in the near future? Yes, I'm contracted with Jean's Playhouse, which is a summer stock theater in Lincoln. And uh, we're doing a haunted ghost tour called Ghost Light. Ah. So um, with scare actors and an interesting story. So uh, we're doing that in October. I'm helping produce the Christmas show in Pittsfield with the Pittsfield Players, which will be the first weekend of December. And I'm also in... And music directing uh, Christmas Carol, a musical ghost story uh, with Powerhouse Theater Collaborative. So it's a, it's a busy season. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you talk about busy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I, you know, theater is such a, a healthy outlet for me um, outside of work. So it's been so great to work with so many different theater companies and be trusted to direct direct these this incredible talent and all the people in in New England that um, are a part of the theater community so uh, that that is fabulous and uh, you do an amazing job and and ghost light again at, at Jean's Playhouse is when oh that's a great question I think oh. it's this the third and fourth week of October uh, uh, yes just in time for just in time yeah that's it's that Friday so I think it's the 20th to the 22nd and then the 27th to the 29th of October. Just in time for Just All time. Hallows' Eve. It's going to be so good. As they say. <laughs> uh, well, we'll look forward to that and, and remind our listeners as uh, as we progress toward those dates. And, uh, and uh, boy, a cat very rarely gets any time off. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> She's always busy. I need a vacation from my vacation sometimes because uh, yeah, right. it turns into work somehow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Cat, for all you do. Of course. Uh, in the news, about 146,000 U.S. auto workers are set to go on strike this week if General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis fail to meet their demands for big pay raises and the restoration of concessions the workers made years ago when the companies were in financial trouble. Sean Fain, who is the combative president of the United Auto Workers Union, has threatened to strike any of the three companies that hasn't reached an agreement by the time its contract with the union expires at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday of this week. Both sides began exchanging wage and benefit proposals last week, though some incremental, they're calling it incremental uh, progress appears to have been made. A final agreement uh, could come too late uh, to avoid walkouts by UAW workers at factories in multiple states. Any strike would likely cause significant disruptions for auto production in the United States. The union has asked for 46% raises in general pay over four years, an increase that would elevate a top-scale assembly plant worker from $32 per hour now to about $47. In addition, the UAW has demanded an end to varying tiers of wages for factory jobs. 
a 32-hour week with 40 hours of pay, the restoration of traditional defined benefit pensions for new hires who now receive only 401k-style retirement plans, and a return of cost-of-living pay raises, among other benefits. And perhaps most important to the union is that it be allowed to represent workers at 10 electric vehicle battery factories, most of which are being built by joint ventures between automakers and South Korean battery makers. The union wants those plants to receive top UAW wages, in part, that is, because uh, workers who now make components for internal combustion engines, engines will need a place to work as the auto industry increasingly transitions to EVs. So lots at stake here for the UAW, the United Auto Workers, and of course, the uh, automakers themselves, uh, GM, Ford, and Stellantis. And the deadline, again, is 11.59 p.m. this Thursday. Today, uh, in addition to uh, the commemorations we were uh, mentioning earlier about uh, 9-11, on a more frivolous note, is uh, Make Your Bed Day. Why? I don't know. Why this random, uh, <laughs> this random date to make your bed? I think most people probably do it every day, but maybe not. Uh, National Hot Cross Buns Day. Uh, National No News is Good News Day. And it's Women's Baseball Day. So maybe a good day uh, to curl up on that couch and watch uh, one of my favorite movies, really, uh, A League of Their Own. If anybody uh, asks me, and, and some people do once in a while in conversation, what, what's your favorite all-time baseball movie, I will reply, A League of Their Own, which is a story about the uh, women's uh, baseball league, a professional baseball league, which was created during World War II back in the 40s. And it was a real league with real teams, real players, and uh, they, it was very successful for a number of years while uh, many of the major league players uh, were overseas battling uh, in, in World War II. And there was still Major League Baseball, don't get me wrong. Uh, there was Major League Baseball going on uh, while the war was taking place, but there was also uh, a women's league, and it was very, very popular for uh, any number of years. And uh, Tom Hanks, of course, plays the, the manager of uh, the Rockford Peaches, and uh, his character is slightly based on one of the managers who uh, actually did uh, run a team back in the Women's Professional League, and that was uh, the great Hall of Famer Jimmy Fox, double X, Jimmy Fox, who uh, played for the Red Sox for a number of years, still holds some Red Sox all-time records, and he was one of the managers in that Women's Professional League. And that is the, uh, you know, the uh, the character that uh, you know the, Tom Hanks is is ba Tom Hanks role is based upon was Jimmy Fox but you know like everything in in movies you know they take liberties they take liberties it wasn't exactly as it's portrayed in a league of their own but quite similar quite similar uh, so i'm told anyway 
Uh, but uh, yeah, this is uh, Women's Baseball Day. Yankees and the Red Sox open, I think, the least highly anticipated four-game series in September in a long, long time between the Red Sox and the New York Yankees at Fenway Park tonight. Because, folks, neither team is going anywhere here in the 2023 season in its waning days. But still, always fun to see Sox and the Yankees go at it at Fenway. Well, I hope you have a a wonderful day. And uh, please remember in your thoughts and prayers uh, all all the victims of uh, 9-11 when we were attacked uh, brutally uh, in in Manhattan, in Washington, D.C., and in Pennsylvania, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, as well. Our thoughts and prayers go out to uh, all of them. So we want you to have a, a wonderful day on this Monday. We are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. And remember, folks, always look on the bright side of life.